Wow, this is fun. Hey, what's going on? How y'all doing? It's good to see you. My name's Jacob, and I currently serve at Western... Colorado University. Yeah. Sweet. It's really an honor to be here with you guys tonight and uh, to talk about missions. Uh, my brother in arms, Ryan Latta, as you guys have, many of you have seen, is here with us today. <laughs> Our wives couldn't make it today, but they sent us. So uh, this is what you got. Sorry about that. But uh, pumped to be here tonight, and uh, I really feel like when I was asked to share um, that God gave me something specific uh, to share. It might be a little different than uh, what you're used to. I'm going to kind of share sort of a lot of my story and draw points out of that, but I really think that this will minister to you. So it's going to be great. It's going to be really great. Um, how many of you guys are excited about missions? That was actually pretty good. How many of you guys are excited about missions? Nice. Nice. I love it. I love it. Well, me too. Uh, Western Colorado University, I work there right now, and here's the reason that my wife and I and our team decided to go to Gunnison, Colorado, to Western. Uh, it's really, one of the reasons is because we didn't think anybody else was thinking about it. You know, there was, there was people there. There's, uh, I don't know what you would classify uh, Gunnison-type people, adventurers, uh, people, some of them like a smaller town, some of them like a smaller school setting. And uh, one of the things that appealed to us about Gunnison and Western Colorado University is, is just that, hey, it's not on a lot of people's radar screens. That type of thing appeals to me because I think that type of thing appeals to Jesus, don't you? He's the one that leaves the 99 to go after the one, you know. So just wanted to give you kind of an insight into why we're there. There's a lot of amazing mission fields. Any, actually, any mission field that you can think of, any place that you can think of in America or otherwise, has people at it that need to know Jesus. Is that, is that right? Something that we're going to say maybe a couple times tonight is the following, and that is that I am a missionary. So let's get used to saying that together. Can you say that after me? I am a missionary. That time it didn't go very well, so we'll do it again. I will say it first, then you can do it. I am a missionary. Yeah, right. I really believe that. I really think that the Lord believes that. You don't need a title behind your name to be a missionary. In fact, I think that the true definition of what it means to be a missionary is to be, let me, I wrote it down here, a follower of Christ who practices his or her faith. That's what I think it means to be a missionary. Dictionary.com says that a missionary is a person sent by a church into an area to do ministry. I think that's an incorrect definition. I think the definition that we just gave is the accurate definition. A missionary is a follower of Christ who practices his faith. So let's say it again. I am a missionary. I remember the very first time that I said that I was, I was actually in college and I had the choice whether to go to Peru or the Philippines with my Bible school. And I was thinking about going to Peru because it was closer and it was cheaper and I'd never been out of the country before. 
And uh, I was telling people this, and I was praying about it, and I actually told our school that, hey, I'm going to Peru. But something just on the inside of me didn't quite sit right, and I didn't know what it was. And then thank goodness for the advocate who's here with us, the Holy Spirit. I really felt like in a time of prayer, just in a time of meditating, uh, just on the goodness of God, that my heart on the inside of me, with which the Holy Spirit is connected to, said, hey, listen, I really want to go to the Philippines. I want to get as far away from my comfort zone as I possibly can. The only problem is that I'm going to have to raise a lot of money to do it. But as soon as I made the decision to follow my heart, to follow the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, God provided. Isn't that amazing? That's the heart of a missionary. Okay? And I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm here to encourage you tonight that if you've got a pulse and if you've got a relationship with God, you have all of the qualifications necessary to be a missionary. But the relationship with God component is, a, is an important one, right? I'm talking about a relationship with God. I'm not just talking about lip service with God. I'm not just talking about, hey, I know about God. I'm talking about, do you know him and does he know you? Has his love cha changed your life? Has it changed it enough that you love other people? That's the kind of Christianity that I'm talking about. If you've got that kind of Christianity, then no matter who you are and no matter where you go, whether it's to one of these mission field locations this, this um, school year, which you should, or it's when you graduate and you become a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or a janitor or a college minister, you're a missionary in that place. If you've got a pulse and you've got a relationship with God with the love on the inside of your heart that's actually changed you, you can change other people. That's the only qualifications that are necessary. Do you guys believe that? Let's get into that a little bit more. Let's say this after me one more time. I am a missionary. I really believe that. I really believe that. All right. So tonight we're going to look at how to become a missionary. In fact, the title of tonight's message is how, I how, how to become a missionary. But <laughs> what, is the, what is the title? How to become a missionary. This, I'm going to tell you the story about how I became a missionary. And I, I think this is... Uh, important, not because I'm in vocational ministry and not because I do this for a career, but this is my realization of, of how I came to the, the, the realization that God wanted to use my life to touch somebody else's. That's why my story, I think, applies to you, because God wants to use your life to touch somebody else's. And remember, you're a missionary. So, how to become a missionary? Uh, again, we're going to start with story, and we're going to do points within the story. So, I grew up in Iowa. Every good story starts like that, right? I grew up in Iowa. Our family vacations were actually uh, usually road trips with, with uh, car camping. We didn't have very much money, and so my parents would take me on the road, and we would get out our tent. And back in the day, you know, back in the 30s when I was born, it cost like two bucks to tent camp. Many of these were to the western states, including Colorado. And during these trips, that's where I developed a love for nature, adventure, wilderness, mountains. And it's so cool that God has allowed me uh, to minister here now. 
I grew up with believing parents, and I had made a decision to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord so that I could miss hell at a young age. I don't know that it was to actually give my life to Christ. I think it was mostly to miss hell, which is an okay reason to start following Jesus. So that was my upbringing. I was a part of the youth group at our church and in high school, and my brother and I would usually go on Saturday nights to youth group. Our church and our youth group were pretty charismatic, okay? And what I mean by pretty charismatic is pretty charismatic. Like, the supernatural was something people expected. Um, Have you ever heard of such things like swinging from the chandeliers and being slain in the spirit? Those things would uh, be talked about at my church, right? I mean, the supernatural was kind of the norm, right? And uh, it freaked me out. This, this was my church. This was my upbringing experience, and I really didn't want to have anything to do with it. I was like, I love Jesus. I love my parents. Some of these people in this church are cool, but I'm, I'm good with the rest of it. Okay, that was my upbringing. These guys were so charismatic, in fact, that uh, I remember saying to myself, I don't ever want to be like that, and getting really nervous whenever I thought that God might want to call me to be a missionary, especially to Africa. I was not about it. An interesting thing happened to me being in that church and in that youth group. After years of biblical teaching, I came to the realization that the move of the Holy Spirit was actually in the Bible. And that even things like speaking in tongues, for heaven's sake, were biblical. I still didn't want to experience it personally. But inside I knew that God was in it. And so I had successfully and uncomfortably avoided every offer given me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit or to be used by God at a higher level all the way up until my senior year in high school, okay? So talk about an uncomfortable teenage youth group experience. The only non-charismatic in a spirit in a charismatic church. That was my upbringing, for real. Then one night I headed to youth group and my brother wasn't able to come and my brother was kind of like my safety net, right? So I'm there by myself. The service was good. I can't even remember what our youth pastor talked about, but I do remember the opportunity to respond at the end. And during the closing prayer, out of the blue, our youth pastor Margie asked if there was anybody in the house that wanted to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and to raise our hand if we did. I thought I'd been had. I was like, listen, the sermon wasn't even about that. Why are you doing that to me right now? (laughs) Long story short, however, I responded to that invitation. I received the promised gift of God, and I spoke in tongues. My life has never been the same since that, and it really actually hasn't. It was a significant watershed moment in my life. But the most important thing that happened to me that night wasn't just about receiving that gift. It wasn't even mostly about receiving that gift. The most important thing that happened to me that night was that I responded in obedience to something that I knew God wanted me to do, even though I really didn't want to do it. Something broke on the inside of me that night, and that something that broke was me, and all that was left was him. Obedience and surrender, along with an acknowledgement of 
the lordship of Jesus Christ are all crucial to a growing walk with the Lord. And he's going to lead us into some difficult situations on purpose where we are faced with making difficult decisions. If you love Jesus, or that you say that you do, if you're walking the walk, God is going to lead you into the wilderness, just like he led Jesus into the wilderness, because he wants to see if your faith is the real thing. So, I think this point, we have this. The end result of taking the risk and obeying God, even when it looks hard or you don't want to, is an increased level of trust in the Lord. Okay? We're talking about what it takes to become a missionary. Remember, you are a missionary. But this is one of the stepping stones on the missionary's journey. Don't get, don't get hung up on me saying missionary in terms of like a professional career type of thing. You're a missionary. God intends for you to be a missionary in the workforce when you go graduate from college. Right? You, can, you, you are a mission. That's the intention. Missionaries are just Christians that live out their faith. That's what, that's what missionaries are. They're Christians that live out their faith. So you're a missionary, right? And so these steps that we're talking about are steps that all of us need to acknowledge. How to become a missionary? I need to surrender. This is how. This is also, guys, I probably won't say it too many more times, but this is also how to be a Christian, how to be a follower of Jesus. Surrender is necessary. Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 25 says the following. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Isn't that, isn't that tight, but it's also right, right? So the point here is that surrender sets you free. And God is the only one that we can surrender to that will set us free. But it's so awesome that that's the case. Surrender sets us free. How do I become a missionary? Through surrender. Next point, next story. I'm excited about this one. Another thing about my story, I never wanted to be a professional minister. So not only did I grow up super uncomfortably in a super uber charismatic church and didn't experience that or even want it until I was a senior in high school. I never ever wanted to be a professional minister. What am I now? I'm a professional minister. Like I'm the least likely to my own thought process 15 years ago to be what I am right now. Okay? Remember this message is not about becoming a professional minister. These are just about steps in the journey of being a follower of Christ. We're all missionaries. Okay? After graduating from college at Iowa State, come on. Yeah. There's somebody knows what's up. I decided to go to Bible college. I didn't decide to go to Bible college to become a minister. But because I wasn't ready to be done with college, can I get a witness there? It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yep. And also to take some time to figure out what I actually believed. That's why I went to Bible college. Right? I had to pay for it, so we figured that out later. <laughs> I remember sitting in classes talking about a minister's calling in Bible college. That's what you do in Bible college, right? And hearing testimonies of my fellow students being called to ministry. 
Some were called when they were seven years old. Some were called at youth camp. Some were called in high school. I remember thinking to myself, I don't know if I've ever been supernaturally called. I just want to love people. Hopefully that qualifies me. I had another um, thing working against me and my desire uh, to go into the, well, excuse me. I had another thing working against me that was prohibiting me from even considering doing ministry as an occupation. And that was that I thought professional ministers were fake. I appreciated what my pastors and other ministers had done for me through the years, and I learned a lot from them. So I wasn't taking anything away from that. But I didn't want to live a fake life, and this is what I meant by that. I wanted to be a real person that really loved God and cared about people, not somebody who lived in a parsonage, was clothes all the time, and who was trained to be nice. I actually thought this. I loved Jesus, but I was like... Don't make me be a minister, man. That'll, that'll take the real out of my life. I had never seen a pastor. I really hadn't. Remember, they impacted me, and I appreciated that. But I'd never seen a pastor or any other professional minister love people with their lives outside of a programmed event. I'd only seen them on stage behind a mic. They seemed unapproachable in real life. Well, after graduating from Bible college and heading out into the workforce to make some money and pay off some debt, a couple things happened to me. One of them is that I worked a job and roomed with a minister. Uh, he was a bivocational associate pastor, okay? So that's barely a minister, but uh, that's a joke. That's kind of a ministry joke. Kind of a ministry joke. Sorry about that. Bivocational means that you don't just minister. You also work another job. He was an associate pastor as well. Yeah. You know, so that was one of the things that happened to me. And the other thing was that I began to follow my heart. Right? I actually believe that when you give your heart to Christ, your heart starts being trustworthy. Some people don't say that. Some people actually preach against that. But I think when you give your heart to Christ your heart starts becoming trustworthy because now the trustworthy one is united with your heart. You know? My, pastor's, my pastor friend's name was Chris. We were roommates. I went to his church. We sold pest control together door to door. Dude, it was a riot, man. It was a riot. The cops were called on us. We were almost eaten by dogs, both true stories. We spent a lonely winter in our church that was just being planted without any young ladies in attendance. It was hard, hard times. And God, through that, showed me a behind the scenes view of a professional minister's life. Isn't that cool that God will do that for you? Listen. He wants to do stuff like that for you, just exactly according to your situation. This is what is needed for God to do that for you, you to be open to be able to see it. How can you be open to be able to see it? You need to stick with him. Christianity, a walk with Jesus, is simple, but it requires simple trust and simple faith and simple stick to -it 
when you provide that, God will do all of the rest. When you provide that, God will do all of the rest. He will literally do it all. <clears throat> okay? So, back to my story. I found out that Chris was a real guy with real struggles and real desires that really just loved people. At the same time, even as a salesman, God had been prompting me in my times with him to write down some thoughts and scriptures that would impact high school kids and college students. It was just in me to do. I wasn't prompted to. I certainly wasn't paid for it. I just, start, I just wanted to. And I didn't even have an audience. I wanted to share with youth the truth about God's love for them, and I still do to this day. I still didn't think that I was going to be a professional minister, let alone a missionary. My desire led me to contact one of my former roommates from Bible college, who was a youth pastor, and I asked if there was any way that I could come speak to your youth. I know I don't have any credentials. I just have a heart. Can I come speak to your kids? Well, a couple days later, he responded by saying, hey, we've got a plane ticket with your name on it. Yeah, come on and, come on and do it. Guys, I know that I'm a professional minister now, but I didn't get to be a professional minister by wanting to be a professional minister. I got to be a professional minister by following the Lord and actually just loving people, right? We're, we can all do that because we're all missionaries. All right. So I flew to Mississippi from Chicago. I shared a message with the youth group, and I decided that I wanted to do it again. That's about it. Here's the takeaways from this story. I learned firsthand that professional ministers were real, regular people just acting on their love for others, at least most of them. And I learned that I had what it took to give people, excuse me, I, had, I learned that I had what it took to love people in a ministry context. What did I have? I had God's love for me. Now, how does this apply to you? This is the end of missions week, right? You've been presented opportunities to go on mission. It's cool that God is presenting missionaries opportunities to go on mission, isn't it? Isn't that cool? It's just like God that he would present missionaries opportunities to go on mission. I love that. That's exactly what it's like. That's exactly what's going on. God is providing missionaries an opportunity to go on mission. God's love qualifies us. God's love is what qualifies us, right? Don't let anybody tell you that you don't have what it takes to change a heart. Because if you've got God's love, his heart has already changed you. And one changed heart is all that it takes to change another one. If we say that we love God and we draw back from any opportunity, not just these opportunities that are presented to you in Missions Week, but any opportunity to love somebody in our lives, we are withholding something that we actually have to give. If we don't do it, who's going to? Right? Now, let's take advantage of these opportunities that we have. So good. God's love qualifies us. You don't need any more qualifications. You literally don't. Billy Graham doesn't need any more qualifications. What qualifies Billy Graham is God's love on his heart that has changed his heart enough to want to love other people. That's the only qualification necessary to change somebody's life. And any of us can do that. 
This is why the gospel is so addictive, and this is why the gospel is so potentially powerful, because God has supplied all the power that is necessary to change hearts. And it's on the inside of us. Isn't that awesome? So good, man. You have what it takes. It doesn't take more than what you have. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 says this, For Christ's love compels us. For Christ's love compels us. Paul, what is the reason for why you do what you do? Christ's love compels me. How are you allowed? Is it your great teaching? Is it your great learning, Paul? Is it because you're Paul the Apostle, ordained before time? I'm not going to get into predestination. I think it's primarily because Christ's love compelled him, right? Does Christ's love compel us? Does Christ's love compel you? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 19 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This, in, even in the context of the scripture, this is not talking about the apostles or the disciples or Paul and his followers. This is talking about any follower of Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, and all this is from God, and has give, given us the ministry of reconciliation. Right? That's enough right there for me to say that I'm a missionary. So let's do that one more time. I'm a missionary. I'm a missionary. You're not, you're not even lying when you say that. I'm telling you, guys, you're, you're not lying when you say that. That is true. That is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It means somebody that actually acts on his or her faith. What is that if not a missionary? Right? Last point as we come to a close here. And I don't know if the band's going to come back up right now, but this would maybe be the time for the band to come back up, if the band's going to come back up. So I'm, I'm going to share a really simple story of God's provision, okay? One of the other things that I think that goes through our heads when we think about mission service is, how am I going to do this? Who's going to fund it? Who's going to take care of my stuff while I'm on mission, Right? And I'm going to give you a really simple story. I'd give you some more if I had more time, but I don't, of just God's provision, okay? And this is not even within the context of professional ministry, like the theme of my message, okay? So uh, I met this cute girl one time. Her name was Sarah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Her name was Sarah. It's Sarah Graham now, but um, yeah, it was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarah Tompkins at the time. And uh, we were, we met, we met at, at actually an ice cream parlor, hanging out with some mutual friends. I had just gotten um, out of a relationship with somebody that I really wanted, um, that really was not good for me. And uh, I was like, dude, I'm done. I'm so bachelor to the rapture, it's not even funny. Dude, I'm so done. So done, man. Right? But then I met Sarah. And so I'm like, hey, you know, 
you seem pretty cool. Um, where do you work? This is a big town. We met in Omaha, Nebraska. And she was like, oh, I work like a mile down the road. I was like, <laughs> no freaking way. Um, but, and I didn't know anybody in town. I just moved into town. So I was like, hey, do you want to get lunch sometime? She was literally you know, the, the closest person to where I worked in a big city for me at the time. And she seemed cool. And she was a believer. So we got lunch. At that first lunch meeting, uh, Sarah mentioned that she'd almost done the internship with her college ministry in college and that she always wanted to go into college ministry. Uh, she's the first Christian girl, and I only dated Christian girls. Come on, guys. That, uh, yeah. She's the first Christian girl that ever said that. And she also mentioned an interest in watching college football. And so I was like, well, we got to hang out again. I mean, this is, we got to hang out again. So we were, a part of a, we were a part of a group that was going bowling later that week, okay? Isn't it, this, is so, this is so silly, but it means so much to me because God is even interested in the small details of our lives. I had no money. I had no money. I was living in my parents' basement, and I was wondering what the heck I was going to do uh, just for a job, for a career, really. And I was like... Hey, listen, I'd love to go bowl. I was, this is my prayer. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, I'd love to, Lord, I'd love to go bowling with this girl named Sarah, but I don't have the $5 that it takes to do that. So I'm going to go to work, and if I get five bucks somehow, somehow, I'll go bowling. If I don't, I'm not going to. This is just God's provision. How much more do you think God is interested in providing for uh, what his mission and vision is, which is to reach the lost. How much more? So I actually prayed that prayer, and I went to work, and nobody gave me five bucks. And so I was just wandering through the parking lot after work, and, you know, there's the parking lot's full of cars. I work in a big, huge office complex with tons of cars in the parking lot. I'm wandering out to my to car on the way home from work. And the route that I take between two cars, I look down and there's a $5 bill sitting in the, sitting on the street. And you know what happened when I saw that $5 bill? I knew for sure, beyond the shadow of a doubt, 100% that God put that $5 bill there for me. I don't know who actually dropped it. I don't care if it materialized from the sky. I just know that I had a need and that I didn't have to take that course back to my car and who carries around a $5 bill anyway? And there was a $5 bill sitting there waiting for me to pick it up. And so went bowling, had another great conversation with my wife, and you know, I proposed the next, uh, no I didn't, proposed the next day. No, I didn't. It was soon after that though. I had a DTR conversation. Deter hey, yeah, it's determine the relationship. Uh, right? Define the relationship. There we go. Whatever. Determine works too. Um, and the rest, is, the rest is history. But so special that God cares about stuff like that. If he cares like, about goofy stuff like that, uh, he will certainly fund a ministry. He will certainly provide safety. He will certainly answer prayers about, hey, uh, people don't understand why I'm trying to do this. He will certainly make a way for your summer job, for example, for you to be able to go. Don't you think? Um, here's what I want to leave you with. 
What is your next step with God? Maybe you're at a place in your walk with God where you have some demands. Hey, I'm interested in you, God, but this is kind of how the way that I want it. Conditional Christianity is not real Christianity. God is asking you to surrender tonight. Maybe you're at a place with your walk with God where you think others have what it takes to minister to people and others are called, but not you. You know, what I would say to you then is, does God love you? Do you love him? Do you care about other people? You're just as qualified as anybody that you could possibly imagine to minister to people. Maybe you need to receive that as your own tonight. Maybe you're at a place in your walk with God where you think that um, you don't know if you have the time or the money or the support that you'll need to do what's on your heart to go do. Maybe it's pertaining to one of these missions trips. Maybe you don't know how it's going to work out. Remember where God guides, he provides. And remember that if you've got a relationship with God, I really believe that you can listen to your heart. What would Jesus do on the inside of you? You're already qualified. Man, I encourage you to go for it. I encourage you to go for it. Man, let's trust God. Let's trust God that he will provide. And so I think we've got somebody else coming up to speak, but man, I want you to consider those things. And then there's going to be one more song, and so that might be a really good chance for you to pray uh, and tell God where you're at and maybe make some of those changes. All right. We're actually going to take the time now to uh, just think about the things that Jacob shared, uh, and then we'll go into another song of worship. So, um, yeah, we just want to invite you guys to take some time uh, to think about those questions that he asked and, um, yeah, what that next step is for you personally.